Welcome to the Women's Bible Study Podcast, a ministry of Sheridan House. We continue today in the series, God's Masterpiece, a study of women in the Bible. If you've missed any part of this series, you can find it and many others online at SheridanHouse.org. We hope you enjoy today's lesson. I wanted to ask you a question. Has anybody ever asked you... Um, something uh, like a, a crazy suggestion or ask and you're like where in the world did that come from and then later on I want you to think about that a minute and later on you find out it is the unveiling of something that God was going to do in your life I don't know if you've ever had that experience um, I was thinking about that myself and I was reminded of a time years ago when um, Bob was speaking at a single parent conference, and I was with him. I wasn't speaking, but I was with him. And um, as we were leaving, the person that put the, uh, the conference together at the church followed us out to the car, and he said, you know, I, I just wonder, um, Bob, have you ever considered, you know, that was, uh, thank you for, for you know, sharing today, and he, he said, have you ever considered writing a book about single parenting? And Bob laughed and said, oh, ha, ha, you know, that's great. Yeah, no, not really. And so we got in the car, and we're headed home, and he said, was that, that was hilarious, wasn't it? When you think about how much trouble I had in college even writing a term paper, for goodness sake, he said, imagine writing a book. And um, I said, well, you know, I mean, that's an interesting thought. And I happened to have a legal pad. I guess I was going to take really big notes while he was speaking or something. But anyway, I had a legal pad with me. And I pulled it out. I said, well, you know, think a minute. If you were going to do such a thing, how, you know, what would be some, you know, topics or chapters or whatever? And so he started saying some things. And I... Um, wrote them down, we were bored to tears, so we are like, this is a crazy thing to think about, but wow, keeps us busy for all these hours back. And, uh, <clears throat> and so I started writing them down, and we got back here to Sheridan House, and to life and everything, and Bob put them on his, the legal pad just was sitting on his desk. So a little while later, um, we had an intern from Wheaton College. And he was helping out and, you know, doing things, you know, during his break. And <clears throat> he happened to see that uh, legal pad sitting on Bob's desk. And he said, wow, this is interesting. Could I borrow that? Could I get a copy of that? And Bob said, have at it, for goodness sake. Throw it away if you want to, you know, whatever. And so he made a copy of it. And when he got back to, to Wheaton, turns out that this young man, for a side job while he was going through college, was doing some construction work and he was putting on, um, helping put on a deck on Dr. Wendell Hawley's home, who was the editor-in-chief of Tyndale Publishing House. He said, hey, I wanted you to take a look at this and handed it to Dr. Hawley. Whereupon, a few days later, Bob got a phone call here at Sheridan House, not here, but on the old campus, and um, he's, this gentleman said, Hi, I'm Dr. Wendell Hawley. I'm the, the um, editor-in-chief of Tyndale Publishing House. And Bob said, 
Ron, I told you never to do those things to me on the phone. And had this, this conversation. And um, at the end of the, uh, Bob being silly on the phone with his buddy, he said, well, I'm thinking that you're not receiving who I am. So let me follow up with a letter. So Bob, mortified a couple weeks later or a week later, whatever the time frame was, gets a letter and on the return address was Tyndale Publishing Company. Now, end of the story. That was the first of 11 books on the family. Was this God's plan? And here's the other wonderful part of that. As Bob got to know Dr. Hawley well, and I have another little story about him later on, but um, as he got to know him, he said, you know, what would you think about having the proceeds go to Sheridan House? And Bob said, okay. You know, he was, um, you know, making like $5 a book or something like that. He said, yeah, let's, let's, wow. let's, let's, uh, let's have the proceeds go to Sheridan House. That was $1,000,003 ago for Sheridan House. Is that amazing? Who would have ever known? God's plan going operational. And that is what we're going to see today. We are going to see that Ruth trusts in a crazy suggestion that leads to God's plan unfolding hugely in her life, in the life of Naomi, and on down through the generations, which we will study in a couple of weeks. She responds to a crazy suggestion. So today, in chapter t- 3, turn with me if you're not already there, we're going to look at Naomi's plan. Naomi's plan. Let's look at what the crazy suggestion is from Naomi's part. We've looked at the character, um, the character of the principles in the story, Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. Today we're going to add to that. And we're going to begin to begin with the concern of Naomi for the welfare of Ruth. We've seen the character coming out of our principal characters here, our principal people here. I'm saying this word several times, but you know what I'm trying to say. And, uh, but we're going to see that character further developed as we get into this passage. Look at verse 1 with me. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you? that it may be well with you. So the first thing we want to take a look at, the word that is pivotal in that verse is the word rest. So A on your outline, what is rest? Now we talked about it a little bit um, in weeks past, but um, you know it has much more to do than, boy, do I need a rest at the end of this day, or I need a nap, for goodness sake. It has just been a crazy day, or whatever. It is so much more than that. Number one, what does it mean in Hebrew? What does it mean in Hebrew? In Hebrew, it has a tremendous uh, uh, understanding. It expresses the idea of settled in life or security. So what Naomi was saying to Ruth is, I want to see you settled in life and, and secure. Notice at the end of the verse, it says that it may be well with you, um, which references the thought that you, I want you to be secure and settled in your life. Naomi is looking for security for her beloved daughter. She wants to see her settled and in a secure situation. So number two, what does that mean for us? 
What does that mean for us? What is rest for us? It is also security and settledness. And so what we want to think about is where does it come from in our lives today in 21st century uh, America with all the things we're dealing with? What does it mean to be, to be at rest, to be secure and settled? First of all, what we tend to do, think about, and need to, to process is A, is it external or internal? Is rest internal, is our security external or internal? I think sometimes as believers that um, we can be sold a bill of goods that from our culture that the external things will bring us security and settledness. That it's the things that are around our lives that are, is going to give us settledness. For example, material things. Things, you know, if, if we could just have a little bit more money per month, things would be a little bit more secure, more settled, and it doesn't take long to know that there's never enough material. Now, this is how you know as a woman with me. Remember in the day when you were allowed to go into Steinmar and shop? Or into your favorite store? And you'd go in and you'd see that, that top or sweater and you'd think, oh man, I'm going to just save up and pretty soon I'm going to be able to get that top. And uh, finally you've, sa you've saved up enough money and you run into Steiny and you grab that, that sweater or, or top. And as you're saying, oh man, this is so fun, it looks so good with those jeans. And then you look around the corner and you think, oh, but look at that top. And it's never settled, is it? It's never quite enough, or let's change it to more today. How about when you're shopping on Amazon? And you're, <laughs> somebody is, is, has been doing it this morning, I think, already. But anyway, you get, go on Amazon, and you see something, you think, wow, that would be really, really fun. And you're so excited that you're tracking every couple of hours. Okay, where is it? Oh, good, now it's made it to, you know, northern Florida. So maybe by tomorrow, that Amazon delivery will be at my door. And we kind of, you know, go through all that, and then, wow, delivered, and you run to the front door, and you get your delivery, and you open it up, and you say, oh, so cute. And then five minutes later, you're back on Amazon, and oh, man, but this. Do you know what I'm talking about? Please nod. Make me feel better and not guilty. But aren't we that way? That we, we think that material things, if I just had... If I just could live, if I just had more, then all would be wonderful. And we know instinctively, deep down inside, if we admit it to each other, that it never satisfies. We never have enough. Sometimes we think it's location. We talked about that last week a little bit, you know, that, that we would be more subtle. Oh, my goodness, if I could be in an environment that was a little bit more quiet and sweet and um, I t told you a couple weeks ago about my friend that, you know, moved to this ideal location on a, a, a tree-lined street and, you know, perfect house of her taste, you know, had crown molding around the ceilings and all these kinds of things. And after she had moved in, she longed, longed for South Florida in the craziness. Well, not the craziness, but her friends and her church family and so forth. Um, and, and we know that 
we know, too, that every area has its advantages, even South Florida, and its set of problems. Even in the most beautiful location in the world, uh, maybe farmlands of Tennessee, or I don't know what it, what it is, but we sometimes think it's location. No, it is not location. Sometimes we think it's a relief from circumstances, from circumstances. If my illness could be just healed, if my marital problems relieved, financial, relational, work situation, then I, everything would be wonderful. Then I'd be settled. Then I'd be secure. However, that is not the answer. That is not the answer because in this life, tomorrow will bring a whole new set of problems. Boy, have we learned that in 2020, haven't we? That we think if we could just get through and then, wow, this is now happening. And so we know it's not an issue of circumstances being relieved. Um, <clears throat> all the above, material, location, relief, all that will fail us because true, le le true rest can only come from internal things, internal things. It is not external. It, it happens on our inside because, B, God understands our needs. God understands our needs. Jesus taught in this very familiar, beloved passage in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, he says this, Come to me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden. Are you heavy laden today? Heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isn't that like having a cool drink of water on a hot summer day? It's so refreshing to hear that. Rest, security, relief comes from the inside. Let's, let's breathe that deeply. I'm going to read it again. Breathe it deeply. Come to me, whoever is in labor, who is all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and will find rest, there it is, for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Learning from Jesus receiving peace of mind from him. That's how we find rest in our lives, internally. Knowing that he's in control of circumstances as we have seen in Ruth so far. True rest is knowing who we trust. Let me say that again. True rest is knowing who we trust. God knows our external needs, just as Naomi knew what Ruth's needs were. He will provide them as we rest in him, as we receive from him internally. Wow. God knows what we're struggling with. And sometimes it's even an intellectual thing, isn't it? Like, Lord, can I really believe that? Lord, um, is that really true? Do, do you really, really care about all the details of my life? Do you understand what I'm dealing with? Are, are you going to change things? Are you hearing me pray? Are you really out there, God? And often we will even go through uh, intellectual exercises like that, trying to find our rest, our security, our the things that we desperately need in our, our, our lives. 
as we begin a relationship with him, as we're trusting him, then we have true peace of mind, if we choose it, to rest. We couldn't handle it, but gradually as we study his word, he gives us wisdom bit by bit. It's, all, it's not like, okay, wow, I became a Christian today and whew, all of wisdom is now in my mind. Wouldn't that be nice if it worked that way? No, it's a gradual thing as we invite it, as we uh, think about it, as we chew on it, as we allow God to give us security and restfulness, then he begins to give us wisdom as we bit by bit acknowledge him and ask him for it. That's why we have Bible study. That's why we study the word of God together, so that our wisdom will grow. The more I learn about him, the more I trust him, the more I hear about him, the more I apply those principles to my life, the more rest I will find in my life. Wow. And Ruth is a picture of that. Total trust in Yahweh, her new God, not knowing her future, but knowing her new God more and more each day. I just feel like, and we don't know, we'll have to ask her when we get to heaven, but I feel like she and Naomi probably sat, maybe they sat over the breakfast table and said, you know, tell me, why do you trust Yahweh so much? Tell me more about him. Who is Yahweh? And, and, and compared notes and talked to her and, and asked her to um, explain to her and, and teach her about her new God. Uh, we know in our heads intellectually that true peace, rest, and rest comes from inside. But the question is, are we living in that truth? Are we living in that truth? Psalm 62, verse 1 and 5, you have it in your uh, books, says this, My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. Isn't that a great, that's a put it on your mirror or refrigerator verse for sure. That our rest comes from him. Find rest, oh my soul. My hope comes from him. To remind ourselves, maybe when we're getting up um, and, and facing some challenges that are going to happen this day, thinking about where our rest comes from, our, our security comes from. And so, setting the stage for Naomi saying, I want rest I want security and settledness for you, my daughter. Let's see her game plan. Be on your outline. Naomi gives instructions. Look at verse 2 through 4. Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight on the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. What? <laughs> okay, Naomi, wow, is this a good idea? Um, my goodness, are you sure this is what you want your daughter to do? That they're having a winnowing, whatever that is. Now, actually, I looked it up. It's separating the grain from the chaff. And they're having a boy fun night. And I want you to go down there, get cleaned up, and go on down and lie down at Boaz's feet. 
Are we kidding? What are you thinking? Well, let's look at that just a little bit. First of all, we want to keep in mind, number one, this was an ancient custom. And boy, I'll tell you what, doesn't it boggle our 21st century minds? A custom like that? You're kidding. We can't possibly wrap our minds around that. I would no more send my daughters to a workplace where men have been drinking and, and carousing around to lie at somebody's feet. Wow, you're kidding. We need to remember, too, the status at that time. Naomi did not have a whole lot of options open to her as a widow, as a single woman. And, and, and trying to protect her daughter also. There were no men in their life. And so she had to come up with whatever she could come up with to provide that rest, quote unquote, for her daughter. We, she couldn't just walk up to Boaz and say, hey Boaz, you know what, I know you're my relative, distant relative, but I just want to introduce you to the most wonderful young woman. That just was not an option in that time. There was no fixing people up and all that kind of thing. And so uh, she had to use whatever means she could come up with. Um, so she went back to this ancient custom, which sounds incredible to us. Number two, this was a very dangerous situation. But it also proves that she had utmost trust in Boaz and, of course, Ruth to propose such a dangerous plan. She knew from reputation, remember we talked, I think it was last week, that, that Boaz was a worthy man and that he was respected in the community and he was known as a man of character. And then that was reinforced personally when Ruth was in the field and he took care of her and said, hey, only stay in my field, hang around my women, I've already warned the men to leave you alone and so forth and so on. And so Naomi had a confidence in the character of Boaz for her to give this instruction. Notice also in verse 2, she mentions Boaz as their kinsman and the kindness that he had shown um, through uh, when she had been working in the fields. See that he is winnowing tonight, she says, uh, meaning that Naomi knew the custom. She knew, okay, at this time of year, at the end of harvest season, the men gather together and they begin to winnow the, the, the grain. They begin to, to separate the grain from the chaff, and they make it be a fun time. They say, wow, this is going to be a fun gathering. We're going to be working hard, but it's sort of like a, a work get-together with the guys. And so she knows about that. It's a custom that she was familiar with. And notice she instructs Ruth to look her best <laughs> at a time when a woman's beauty was her greatest asset. And danger, actually, right? And probably, it was probably more like wear your best. I don't think she was saying, and Ruth, dress provocatively when you go down there. No, I don't think it was that at all. I think she was saying, take off your work clothes, get a shower, anoint yourself, and then put on your best clothes. In other words, you know, respect the situation as you know, a, a time of importance to you that you would change and not just go in your work clothes. Wear your best. Wear what you would wear to the synagogue. Wear what you would do wear to your friend's wedding or whatever. Make sure that you are looking your very, very best. I don't think it was a provocative thing. It was look your best. And again, we see her, her trust of 
Boaz, even after he had been parting with the men in the community. Number three, verse four. Naomi instructs her to uncover his feet. Now, again, even this is a mystery even to scholars. Um, what was going on with that? Was it to awaken him after she snuck in there and you know, laid down at his feet? Was it to wake, wake him up so that he'd go, my feet are cold? Don't have any socks on, or whatever. And um, but the other aspect of it is, it's interesting that she was at his feet, placing herself in a lowly, submissive situation and position. She wasn't at the top, at his head, saying, "Hey, I'm here." She also was not by his side, which would have perhaps. Uh, he could have misinterpreted her actions had she laid down next to him. She laid down at his feet. The other thing that Ruth was to do, we see at the end of verse 9, she, uh, she said, spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a kinsman redeemer. She says this to Boaz later on. So number four, Naomi, this is amazing. Naomi is suggesting a marriage proposal. Is that incredible? In contrast, and by Boaz's reaction later on, we know that this is to signify that Ruth wanted him to marry her. She was proposing to Boaz. Wow, you know, this is at a time when women were not even allowed in the same room to worship with men. And she's proposing marriage to him. That's incredible. Um, there was a, the, the fact that she, she said, spread your garment over me. There was a widespread use of garments as a symbol of agreements. Prophets were, you know, we've, we've seen in the Old Testament, passing the mantle, passing the cloak, passing the, um, the garment to the next one coming up. For example, uh, Ezekiel 16.8 says, spread the corner of my garment and make my vow to you. So most likely she was saying, spread the corner of your garment as a metaphor of, I want to have agreement now. I want us to be together in marriage. I want us to have a commitment to each other. I want you to cover me with your garment, with your cloak. I want us to have an agreement here to be under his protection and enter into a vow or covenant with him. Anyway, all of that, very interesting and very dangerous. Very dangerous. Wow. Um, and it was presented with such a bizarre and dangerous and foreign custom to Ruth that you would have thought, you know, Naomi, I love you and trust you and, and my new God, Yahweh, but really? You want me to go into this male party? And you want me to lie down at Boaz's feet? And we know that Boaz is a good man. I learned that yesterday when I was in the field or many weeks ago or whatever. He is a good man, man of character. He's respected among the community. But you want me to do what? And you would have thought that she would have been horrified and fearful to do what Naomi was bidding her to do. But let's see how she responds. See on your outline. How does she respond? Look at verse 5 and 6. And she replies, All that you say, I will do. Let me read that again. <laughs> All that you say, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law 
had commanded her. Number one, she unhesitatingly responds in obedience. Is that amazing? Amazing. She clearly has total trust in Naomi and therefore without hesitation obeys. This is so characteristic of Ruth and I believe why God is able to use her and bless her so hugely in this book and through history. Wow. Number two, she has a simple faith and trust. Because of her simple faith and trust, she is able to trust what she faces uh, even when it's a new and difficult idea. Apparently, it, it was an immediate response. Now, we don't know that for sure, but it doesn't say anywhere above verse 5 that she said, well, Naomi, listen, you know, I know that the party's going to be going on tomorrow night, too. It takes a while to winnow, you know, the crops and whatnot. Could we just um, think about this? Talk about it a little bit? Pray about it? And let me call my prayer team, and we'll, I'll just ask them to, you know, pray with me on this, because this is wild. Let's just take a little time and think about this. No, it appears to be that she immediately said, all that you say, I will do. Amazing. We're really getting to see the heart of Ruth, aren't we? How about us? Sometimes as women, it is hard for us to, do, to deal with new things and with change, isn't it? I mean, we love the old, you know, well, this is the way I've always done it. This is the way I've always, you know, proceeded in my life. And, you know, I, it, to, to take on something new and a challenge is something very different. It's hard for us, particularly, I think, as women. You know, we, that's why we love the old movies. I don't know if you're like me, but, I mean, Christmas is not Christmas unless I've gone through, you know, X number of movies, and they're all, you know, sweet old-timey ones, like It's a Wonderful Life, and, you know, all, all those wonderful movies that we love. We love familiarity. We, we love the safeness of sweet things that we've embraced for years. And for us to take on something brand new is, is, can be very, very difficult. You know, I, I've often wondered, my grandmother, my little grandmother, was a um, wealthy um, Southern Belle from Macon, Georgia. And I've often wondered how this little lady, and she was tiny, not even five feet, how she made it in the 20s and 30s in China on the mission field in the country. Riding in a wheelbarrow into the um, villages with my grandfather uh, telling people the gospel of Jesus. How did she do that? How could she do something so different? And um, she went to be with the Lord before. I've had really a chance to think about it, so I can't wait to get to heaven and ask her those questions. But, you know, that kind of um, not being held captive by what we're used to and, and what's familiar to us and what is nostalgic to us and what's the way, the, the way we've always done everything. Um, to, to not be that way. Uh, <clears throat> we should throw out the old, uh, we don't want to throw out the old ways and attitudes, but are we willing to move when God is moving and uh, wanting us to follow him in uncharted waters? Don't you see an unconventional God in scripture? 
I mean, we've talked about this in the past, but you know, when he had a reluctant prophet, he has a large fish swallow him. It's kind of different, isn't it? Or how about having the mighty creator of the billions and billions of stars and galaxies that we have in history to take the creator of the universe and have him be born in a cow stall as he grows up to be our savior. Wow, very unconventional God. So are we stuck in our ways or are we willing to step out the way Ruth stepped out and Naomi actually? God says in Isaiah 43, 18 through 19, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? He says to us in Isaiah 43. Doesn't that mean that we, you know, is it okay to be nostalgic about the past? Absolutely. But it means that we should have a willingness to be about the new things that God is doing in our presence and in our lives, rather than the attitude, you know, that's just not me. God, you know, I know this can't be you because you know me and that just doesn't fit with me. No, we don't want to have that kind of an attitude. We want to be willing to do the new things that God is wanting us to do. Ruth could have easily said just that. You know, I never heard of such a thing. <laughs> really? Do you want me to really do that? And she could have missed out on an amazing thing that God was doing, not in her, only in her life, but in Boaz's life and in the future generations. Wow. D, what steps does Ruth take? Number one, she overcomes fear with faith. Can you imagine the fear she must have felt slipping into that area? Um, fear for not only her physical well-being, but what if, what about the humiliation? What if she said this to Boaz and said, hey, cover me with your cloak. Let's have a, a covenant between us. Let's have an agreement here to become husband and wife. And he said, hey, Ruth, I think you're a sweetheart and all that, but hey, I, my heart is already uh, given away. You know, the humiliation of being turned down, of being refused, not only just her fear. So all of those things um, she, she put aside and steps out anyway. She has faith in Naomi and in, in Yahweh, her new God, and she knew that they had her welfare at heart enough to take steps to do the things that have, she must have been so fearful of, to do step by step. Um, going back to Dr. Hawley from um, Tyndale Publishers, when Bob said, well, okay, but, you know, I don't even write a book <laughs> And what in the world? And he said, Bob, do it step by step. Do one chapter, then do another chapter, then do another chapter, step by step by step. And isn't that how we can be successful in our lives? We take one step at a time in faith, saying, okay, I'm going I'm to, I'm fearful about this, but let me take a step, step, step. She overcomes fear with faith. Number two, she acquires necessary information. We see her listening to what Naomi has said to her concerning the situation. Um, do we ever ask and not listen? I have a friend who um, 
it likes to ask advice and she'll say, hey, what do you think I should do about this? And, and somebody will say to her, well, why don't you try that? And she'll say, oh yeah, great idea, and go out and do whatever she wants and come back the very next day, hey, what do you think I should do about this? Same thing over and over again. And then I have another friend who will ask for um, advice from somebody and she'll take out a notebook and start writing things down. No, wait a minute, say that again, da, 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 and write things, write things, write things, because she does not want to miss one word of the counsel she's receiving. How about us? Are we, listening to, to, are we listening to advice? Are we listening to counsel? Um, I pray that I'm a good listener to, um, to advice. When, when somebody gives me advice, I want to hear and listen, just like we see in Ruth's life, to acquire the necessary info and then be a heed taker. You're right. I need to do that. You're right. No, I shouldn't. You're right, that's a great idea. I want to be that way. Clearly, that was the way Ruth was. Number three, she takes a risk and then acts. Even as Ruth risked harm, rejection, refusal, and yes, perhaps even humiliation, she chose to go, to step out and act in obedience. God didn't pour out his blessing until... Ruth stepped out in obedience until she acted in faith and obedience. It's kind of, it reminds me of in um, the story of, of Israel crossing the, uh, the, the desert and coming up on the Jordan River. And it was flood season and the, the river was flowing all over the place and crazy times. And they were to go across the Jordan River. And God said, when the priests get through, I will part the waters. And so the priests got in carrying the Ark of the Covenant, and the minute they, in faith, put their feet in the water, guess what happened? The waters parted. Exactly. And that's kind of the idea in Ruth's life and our lives. As we step out in faith, God parts the waters. As we step out in faith, trusting him, he begins to do the impossible. In summary, isn't that a picture of our salvation? That Jesus stands ready to receive us. I love that verse in uh, Revelation where it says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Whoever opens the door. Uh, the idea is that God is waiting for us to receive that free gift. Um, but we need to humbly put ourselves at his feet, don't we? We need to receive that free gift that he has. It's sort of like at Christmas time, and you walk into um, the living room at Christmas, and you see all those gifts under the tree, and <clears throat> one might say mom on it. It doesn't become mine until I open it and receive it and take it to, to me. That's the idea here. Are we willing to step out? Are we willing to risk, particularly in new uh, and scary situation, in faith and obedience like, like Ruth? That is when God can begin to lavish us with his blessings, when we step out in faith to do what he wants us to do. But first, we've got to claim our free gift, don't we? We need to say, wow, thank you, Lord, you have provided for us, number one, the free gift of receiving forgiveness for our sins and beginning a relationship with Almighty God through his forgiveness. And then, secondarily, asking him to, to direct our lives. Ruth is an example of that. My goodness, 
Was Yahweh directing her life? Absolutely. And we need to have that same uh, attitude that, that Ruth did in faith, obediently responding to what God is directing us to do. In this unprecedented time, is God asking you to do something different, uncomfortable? Is there something that he has placed on your heart and mind to do that is not your normal, that is not your regular routine, that is something that's really uncomfortable without God coming in and filling you with his power and ability to do what he has called you to do? For previous lessons or other resources, please visit sharedinhouse.org or call us at 954-583-1552. We hope you can join us again next week.